Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite syndication network. You can find the Business Creators Radio Show on outlets like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, and many, many, many more. We have a Facebook page. We have a YouTube channel. Be sure to check them out. Also, visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and be sure to explore our archive of episodes, nearly 300 episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators just like you. Today, we're going to have a broad-ranging discussion here, and it's going to be a fun discussion. This is one of those episodes where you have the opportunity to sort of sit back, relax, Enjoy that favorite thing you like to drink, uh, bring, the, bring the cat out or put the cat in, bring the dog out or put the cat in, whatever makes sense to you, and just absorb what's going to be shared with you and allow it to inspire you to find ways to create your ideal business. Today, that's what we're going to talk about, creating your ideal business, and to share on that today we have a gentleman named Pat Rigsby, who I've had the opportunity to get to know, and I'm very excited to introduce to you. Let me just tell you a little bit about Pat. He's a dad, husband, business coach, entrepreneur, and author. He's built over 25 different businesses, including two Entrepreneur Franchise 500 award-winning franchises. Today, he coaches entrepreneurs to create their ideal business, one that allows them to earn more, have a greater impact, and enjoy more freedom to live the lives of their dreams. He's here today to share his insight with you to help you build the business of your dreams, or as we say here, to create the business of your dreams. Pat, come on in. The weather's fine. Well, I am so honored to uh, be on with you, excited to share, and just uh, looking forward to this conversation. You probably gathered from my intro there the slight garbling of it that I am just so, so thrilled to dive into this topic. I love interviews like this. Because they give us, in my opinion, the greatest opportunity to expand upon different horizons. And who knows? Maybe we'll get a couple questions emailed in from listeners. We'll have a chance to cover those. We'll see how we'll see how we go in terms of our time and how much we're able to share with each other. Before we do all that, though, what we like to do here in Business Creators Radio is take a step back and let's find out a little bit about your journey that's brought you to where you are today. I read off your bio, but tell us about what has brought you to your intersection of your brilliance and your passion from which you serve business creators in the current environment? Well, yeah, sure. Um, I, I actually got into the um, business coaching, consulting landscape in a very kind of uh, roundabout path. My, my first career was as a college baseball coach uh, college strength coach and actually teaching in the university. And frankly, that's a lot of what I was passionate about. And then I think somewhere probably about seven years into that, it, it was abundantly clear that I um, just wasn't cut out to be an employee. I didn't necessarily mesh well with bureaucracy and things like that. So um, 
you know, I set out on a path to, to make sure I'd be in a good place to, to start my first business, which is probably kind of laughable looking back. I, I think that make sure is probably uh, a pipe dream. But <clears throat> anyway, I was doing a lot of research and, you know, worked for somebody else that had an entrepreneurial style business trying to get behind the scenes and learn a lot there. Started my first business back in about you know, it was uh, 2004, and it it did very well and opened up a second location. It did very well, and then um, invariably some people in that same region and that same type of business in the fitness industry um, were interested in how uh, my business was seeing so much growth so quickly, and, um, you know, so I started doing a little bit of coaching, consulting, if you will, there, and, uh, and that kind of snowballed where, you know, I started to share these things beyond the, the local or regional market. I, I kind of tapped into, I don't necessarily know that I'd call it the early stages of internet marketing, but maybe the intermediate stages, and started to share things through information products and online coaching um and then really over the next decade or so uh was able to take advantage of some of the opportunities that created just seeing needs in the marketplace or opportunities to collaborate with some other people doing good work and um and it resulted in me uh starting over 25 businesses or or getting involved in early stage businesses it's not always starting Everything from education and certification companies to, you know, one nutrition company to two franchise organizations comprising, uh, you know, about 275 locations at one point. And, um, you know, at the end of 2014, I made the decision to sell uh, the vast majority of that kind of organization, network of businesses, um, because it had just felt like, you know, I've kind of created this monster that I'm not necessarily uh, as excited about. I was spending way too much time doing some things that I wasn't enjoying or deriving a lot of fulfillment from. And so I said, okay, I'm going to kind of pair things off and refocus and streamline and do the things that I really um, like to do the most, help business owners kind of uh, take their vision, their excitement, their passion, and build something great around that and, and help them uh, kind of shed the things that they shouldn't be doing and focus on the things that uh, I, I call their, you know, make up their best role. And so that is really what I've been doing for the last three or four years. Wow. See, that is quite – a story, and what I love about it, because I can, believe me, I resonate with it, is the way you told it, it kind of started with a realization that you weren't cut out to march to somebody else's drummer, so to speak, and I found when I was in the corporate world that it was kind of the same thing. I not only figured out that I was quote-unquote unemployable, I got labeled as such, and you know what, that's a good thing. Because what that, te what that tells me and what that tells the world 
is that I can see in many cases a bigger picture and I'm willing to ask why. There's the formula in statistical process control where you ask the question why five times. And once you've asked the question why five times, as you dig deeper and deeper into an issue, you tend to find the root cause or the root motivator that helps you gain a level of profound understanding. You go into some companies and you ask why, and what you get in response is a 45-minute lecture to your supervisor uh, about where exactly you are on, the, on positioned on this thing called an org chart or something like that. And I remember one other phrase I kept hearing all the time is, just keep your head down, keep your head down. No, I'll keep my head up. You don't appreciate the, you don't appreciate the value, I'll take it elsewhere. And what I love about the work that you do so much, Pat, is that you help folks, regardless of what frame they're coming from, to have that forward-looking view and to recognize that they are more powerful than a label or a position on a matrix that somebody else attempts to put them into. It's about having that impact, about enjoying that freedom to have the life of your dreams. And that's part of the reason I'm so excited about our conversation today. So let's dive in. And I want to start with your perspective on what are your guiding principles that should be used to build an ideal business? Well, you know, I think there's several things we need to consider. I think, you know, number one, um, you know, any business is founded on our ability to add value to the marketplace, you know, solve a problem, help somebody move from where they are to where they want to be. So, it, you know, I think, you know, we have to figure out how we can harness our experiences, our talents, uh, you know, our strengths in a way that allow us to solve a problem. And in reality, the more value we add to the marketplace, the more opportunity is for us to generate the rewards uh, that, that we're looking for, whether that's having a massive impact, whether it's earning a, a, a really substantial income, whether it's creating something that allows you to have uh, significant lifestyle freedom. You know, that's all your compensation for adding value. So, you know, if we think of business that way where it's not just, hey, I'm going to do what I like to do, but I have to do what I like to do within the constraints of adding value to the marketplace. Um, you know, so, I, so I, I think we start there. How are we going to, you know, add massive value for whoever it is that we want to serve? Um, and then, you know, getting clear about that, that kind of thing that I wove into, I, I guess, that first part of the description, what are your strengths, your talents, your experiences, your passions? You know, what are those things so you can really build around that? Now, I would say that for most of us in a small business, um, in the beginning, your, your um, responsibilities may very well extend beyond your best role, but um, I think what we see with most business owners, I'm sure the, that you have this experience with some of the people you've encountered as well, is just they, you know, they, yeah, they get in this startup phase where they're doing a little bit of everything because, you know, it's just necessity, but they never graduate from that. And so they never really evolve to playing that best role. And then, um, you know, the third thing is, 
making sure that we've got a way to measure success and and really know that we're moving towards where we want to go. I mean, coming from right. a competitive sports background, uh, you know, the, the luxury of being a, a college coach is there's a scoreboard, and it pretty much tells you whether or not you're doing a good job. And, uh, you know, I think having a way to keep score as to whether or not you're achieving your goals, whether we're talking about revenue or schedule or number of clients or patients or customers, I mean, there has to be a way to keep score. And then finally, um, you know, I think the fourth thing that really plays into this is establishing your own um, guardrails and your method uh, of planning so that you know what you need to say no to, you know where to allocate your time both personally and professionally so that you're always moving in the direction you want to go rather than just kind of reacting and being pulled in whatever direction others might take you. Yeah, and I think you hit upon a couple points there. First of all, let's start with the very last one, which is that it's important to not just be taken where other people want to take you. And I've shared this in some presentations I've done from stage within the past year when I, on the topic of launching your product or launching your brand is that I went through three iterations of my business. And I, within a 10-year period, I think I changed the business three times. It wasn't like I you know, shut down a business and start over again. It's like I evolved the product services and brought most of the clients with me. And so I got to a point around 2012 or so when I decided, oh, you know, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Listeners of the Business Creators Radio Show have heard me say about a hundred times that I went through a three-year period where I just wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Uh, the Business Creators Radio Show itself was kind of my salvation because it was my key marketing arm and my key networking tool, still able to track clients and do some fun, great things with them. But I didn't really have a direction for my business, my marketing, or really my life. And let's say... I mean, I can tell you how I solved that, and some of our listeners have heard that before, but since we have a man like Pat Rigsby here, Pat, let's say somebody came to you and told the story that I just told, where it's like, you know, I you know, I guess this is okay, but, I mean, is this really what I want to be when I grow up? What would you say to that person? How would you guide them? I, I think, you know, it starts with questions, and I know that you led off talking about questioning, and, and that's really where so much of success lies, is asking good questions. And so it would be determining, okay, well, what what's in the, the business that you have now? What are you most excited about? What are the things that bring you the greatest fulfillment? What are the most profitable things? Where are you having the most impact? Who are the clients that you're best at helping? And asking questions to dig in and unlock the, you know, the things that that you're best at doing, the things that energize you the most, the things that bring you the best um, ROI, and then saying, okay, well, if we could just start from scratch, knowing that, 
what would a great business look like? What could you do for those people? How could you best serve those people and deliver a dream come true result for them through through a process or an experience that they actually enjoy being a part of? And then, okay, how do we go back and how do we find them? And you talked about the podcast being um, – you know, uh, a a great vehicle for um, connecting with people and and meeting potential clients. Okay, well, okay, how do we attract people through the podcast? And then how do we convert them in a way where you're filtering out anybody but the best possible clients? And then ultimately through this process, what role is it that you must be like that you are the only person that can play versus what roles need to happen that maybe you can, instead of being the doer of, can you facilitate someone else doing so you can just delegate and elevate to playing your best role? Wow. See, that that's great. And that actually kind of, I don't know if, if it exactly dovetails, but I think it's somewhat parallel to my discovery process is, I recognized I had a lot to say about a lot of things. And I noticed in my social media conversations that some themes kept bobbing up. So I tried a radical experiment. I put up a very simple blog. uh, Didn't worry about design. Just plain white WordPress design, basically. Gave it a real simple name. And it had no conversion goal. It had no lead generator. It had no avatar. It had no business purpose that was specifically outlined. There was no funnel behind it. None of that other stuff that we always have to append to everything that we do in business. And I made a commitment for 90 days, once a day, I was going to blog about whatever was grinding my gears, whatever excited me, whatever discoveries I had, whatever I felt compelled to share on social media, I would transpose and turn into an article. If I got involved in a discussion on social media and I ended up giving some really great insights on a thread, I would grab a copy-paste of that, form it into a blog post, put it up there for the day. No content strategy, just whatever was grinding my gears, motivating me, or inspiring me about the topics that had me excited. So that was step one. Step two is at the end of the 90 days, go back and fit that into categories. So at the end of the 90 days, I was able to notice what the trends were. I was able to fit those into categories and threads, and they became the foundation of my book, Groundhog Day is an Event, Not a Business Strategy, which became the foundation of what's known as the spring formula, which became the foundation of my reinvigorated consulting practice, which has inspired a new venture that I'm now working on. So in my case, I gave myself the emancipation to – just blog about whatever the hell I felt like because that allowed my brilliance and my passion to emerge spontaneously and leave traces that I could then go back and review. And that told me what I wanted to be when I grew up. Just like, as you said, look at your highest ROI activity, look at a way to start from scratch from there and look at how to create a fun experience for your customer. Yeah, that I mean, that's it. And I think what is so so fascinating about what you just talked about was you 
we're self-aware enough to, to work through a lot of this process in a, you know, pretty self-directed way, whereas I think most most of us often just need somebody to kind of prod us and, and maybe even facilitate, if not necessarily coach, us into asking these questions, into pursuing this, because... Um, you know, your your ultimate discovery, at least it sounded like, came from, hey, I'm just going to commit to posting on this blog, and so I'm going to see through this process long enough to uncover where I want to go, whereas most people get caught up in the day-to-day of what they're doing and never really commit to the process long enough to arrive at that best destination, so they just kind of get stuck where they are. Yeah, and I recognized that I had already gone through almost three years of not being sure what I wanted to be when I grew up, so I just gave myself that space. I said, it's been three years. You know, in the grand scheme of it, I still have a business. Uh, the lights are still on. There's still a profit margin. What the hell do I have to lose adding another 90 days to it? I mean, three months on top of three years is a speck in the spectrum of time. So let's yep. do it was my thought. And I was very careful to not allow myself to be persuaded or influenced to put a framework around it or put a specific direction on it. Because I did get a few people, uh, mostly people who were campaigning, trying to be my business coach from out of the blue, basically, who would offer the helpful critique of, you know, do you have a conversion goal and shouldn't you have a funnel and and what are you doing for lead generation and what's your conversion goal and, uh, and why are you doing this? Why are you wasting your bandwidth? Blah, 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 blah. And which you know, gave got for me the response of, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm in the middle of creating this project. I'm building a tribe around this project. In fact, we have a great discussion going on on our special Facebook page. If you haven't checked that out yet. Uh, we're doing some really great things with this thing that we're kind of building this airplane in the air. So, you know, you've got a lot going on here. Uh, Did I at some point pay you for coaching that gave you the privilege of saying that to me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm very careful about that. I'm very careful about that when I uh, see things online that I want to critique. I ask myself, um, have I been engaged as a consultant or a coach on this? Uh, and if I have not, then I recognize two things, that there's really only so much I need to say anyway because re- you know, respect respect everybody's game. And second of all, it means that I have an opportunity in front of me. Listen to how I say this, an opportunity in front of me to nurture a relationship with somebody. Now, that's a reframe from I don't know them well enough to give them advice. So instead of saying, well, I don't know well enough to give them advice, I'm saying, well, I have an opportunity to get to know somebody. So just that little subtle shift allows me to look at the situation differently and think of it from a, a forward-looking point of view. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that we kind of exist in a, a landscape now where um, it's really easy to connect with somebody or make an initial connection with somebody, but an initial connection is certainly not a relationship. A relationship is earned. So if you want to serve somebody, you've got to be able to earn the relationship. And that probably comes with what you just alluded to, right? Like, I mean, how do I connect with this person in a way that 
you know, makes them feel like they can count on me to help them move forward to wherever they're trying to go. Right. I I agree with that. So another thing we hear is this whole thing about uh, time and money. And early listeners of the Business Creators Radio Show know I used to ask what was called the time and money question until I recognized I pretty much asked it enough times and needed to move on to something else. But we got a lot of great responses on the time and money question. And it's interesting that you want to chat about this a little bit. So uh, one of the things that we wanted to cover, we discussed this in the green room, Pat, is what steps can listeners take, what steps can our listeners take today to scale their business without investing more time? Because everybody says, oh, I don't need more time, which, you know, everybody has the same amount of time. But how do they scale their business without investing more time is the question. Well, I, I think the first thing that somebody has to accept is that jobs have to be done, right? Like, and if you want to scale, there are more things to do. So the the first step in this process is is kind of a mindset shift from thinking thinking like a self employed person where you're the doer of all things, right? I've got a contractor who is actually at my house right now doing some renovation stuff in a bathroom and a bedroom, and he's done a lot of things for us. Well, he's the doer of everything. When he has to run to Lowe's to pick up supplies, it's him doing it. When it's somebody doing the painting, it's him doing it. Well, the only way to scale that is to shift your mindset to saying, it's my job to be the facilitator of things getting done. And once you kind of embrace this philosophical shift, then, okay, well, I've got a standard that people have to meet in getting it done. I need to be responsible for training them in a way to meet that standard. And then I just need the person who has the aptitude to be trained so they can meet the standard of getting the thing done. And then my job is just to kind of facilitate them doing that. If I create an environment where, I'm doing that, then I can delegate any of these tasks, then I can elevate my role to the one where maybe I am not just the best person at doing something, but really the only person. So, I mean, this is your radio show. In reality, you're probably the only one who can be the host and deliver it in in, in such a high-quality way. But you're not the only one who could do editing. You're not the only one who could do show notes or graphics or any of that other stuff. But a lot of people, when they start a show, they do that. Well, okay, if we know those jobs have to be done, what's the standard they have to meet? How do we train somebody to meet that standard? Then we hand it off. And the thing, the exercise I take clients through very regularly is saying, okay, outline all the tasks that you're doing. Well, for this task kind of at the bottom of the list, what what do you think that task is worth per hour? And somebody may say, well, $12 or $15. I'm like, okay, well, what what are you – or what do you make per hour? And they'll say, well, I make $100 an hour. Well, you're paying somebody, i.e. you, $100 an hour to do a $12 an hour task. So if we can train them and we know what standard they've got to meet, then we go find the $12 an hour person and move beyond that. And what's so great about this is once you have this 
process in place where you understand this mentality and you've got this simple framework where you have the, the vision in place and the values to operate your organization, then you've got these standards for each role or responsibility. Scaling is an almost potentially infinite thing because it's just repeated over and over and over. And that's how, you know, franchising that I had the good fortune to be involved in can expand, you know, to almost 300 locations in about a three-year span was that same mentality. I mean, it would be impossible to, to train, you know, tens of thousands of clients over that many locations for any one person or whatever else, but when you've got systems in place and standards to meet, then it's not not tough to make sure that stuff's working, you know, in, in towns that I've never been in. So I, hopefully that answered the question. I know I kind of rolled on there a little bit. No, 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 no. That's why that's why we give time for these conversations so that we can get into this little bit deeper level of detail. And I think there are a lot of shows out there. You know, we work with a lot of podcast hosts to help them find guests, and we work with a lot of people who want to be booked on podcasts through our company, In Demand Expert. And I've seen shows that run five minutes. I've seen some that run 15. I've seen some that run 30. And I think they're all excellent formats. I believe that there's something for everybody, and there are some consumers who really like the compressed version of it. Uh, there are some who like to get bullet point checklists, and sometimes it's called for to go in-depth on an issue. When we created the Business Creators Radio Show back in 2013, we made the strategic decision to make it a one-hour format. Yeah, that means it takes longer to record the episodes, but it allows us to not get stuck to a rigid it allows us to follow avenues as we're exploring and we discover new pathways that are enticing that lead us to potential discoveries. And it allows us to take the time to go a little bit further in depth that some other shows are able to do simply because of time constraints. So we designed it that way, Pat, so that we could have conversations like this and we could go a little bit deeper. So while we're you know, dealing with you know not – you know, without investing any more time or any more or anything like that, because that is a big deal for some folks. Uh, everybody has a reason why they don't have any more time. Sometimes it's a legitimate excuse, and sometimes it's not. You've heard the expression, "Well, that's an excuse, but not a reason." That's flawed. Yeah. So I'm going to take a second on that. You hear that? Well, that's an excuse. That's not a reason. That's flawed. See, a reason is a reason. The reason is what caused you to feel that way, that caused you to do that thing, that made you react in that manner, whatever it is. Uh, if your reason is your reason in alignment with your truth, uh, that is what it is. The question is, is it excusable? That's where, that's where you have, we have to flip those words around because it happened for a reason. The reason is the reason. Is it excusable? So I just wanted to leave, you know, put that little non sequitur in there because I thought it was kind of important to mention because I hear so often that things are an excuse but not a reason, and the fact is they're reasons. The question is whether they're excuses. So getting back to our topic here and building off this idea of finding time or investing more time or what have you, uh, Pat, you told me a little bit in the green room about a change that allowed you to spend three times as much time with your family while running a business. And I know 
from all the conversations and emails and and when I meet people who listen to the Business Creators Radio Show, this is something that's on a lot of people's minds. They didn't sign up for another J-O-B. They didn't sign up uh, to make a reality that time-worn cliche that entrepreneurs will spend 80 hours a week avoiding a 40-hour-a-week job. They really want the 20 hours a week. So what changes did you make that made it happen for you? Well, you know, the um, the business organization I had, which was a network of companies, um, you know, I, I had built it, but I think I had built it in the, the mentality that bigger is better, right? Like, it's just that was how I was measuring success. That was my scoreboard, like we talked about earlier. But the reality was, I mean, I, I kind of, um, hit a wall where my now eight-year-old son was three, and I'm out in the yard playing ball with him, and I and I feel guilty because I'm like, hey, I should be in inside, you know, leading my organization. I'm the one who drives revenue. I'm the one responsible for these people. And then I and then I just took a step back and said, man, you know, I'm um, I'm out here playing with my son. I, I mean, this is not. I should never feel guilty for that. I should never have remorse or anything like that for for doing something with my child. In fact, this is why I started a business, so I would have some flexibility and more control over, um, you know, my schedule, my life. And so I kind of made it my mission at that point to craft what, a successful business to me would look like instead of just kind of drifting into the business that I had, which I think happens a lot with business owners. So I, I put thought into what would my ideal schedule look like? You know, when would I start work each day? When would I finish? What would be, you know, the, you know, what would be my schedule when it came to weekends or long weekends or how much vacation? What would be, kind of the guardrails, my non-negotiables about um, travel for, you know, going and doing speaking engagements, travel and hosting coaching events, or just travel for, for anything, even continuing education. Um, <clears throat> what kind of things that I want to make sure that I wasn't going to miss? Because, you know, the thing about it with, with kids is, you know, I have an eight-year-old that when he turns nine, I don't get eight back. I mean, I'm still going to have a, a right. son, but the experiences he has at that point are just, they're different. I mean, I have a 17-year-old too, and, you know, they, for a 17-year-old, they probably don't necessarily want to be around you so much. But, you know, if the eight-year-old still likes hanging out with me, I better take advantage of it now. And True. Um, so I thought about all those things, and I crafted what, that ideal business would look like? And then who are those clients that I'm best suited to to serve, that I can serve at a really high level and hopefully be compensated pretty fairly for the value I provide? And the idea there was pretty straightforward, too, because it was, okay, well, I'm going to know where to find them. I'm going to know how to attract them and convert them into clients. But then also, because I'm really good at helping them and because I really love working with them, I'm going to be energized from it instead of drained. So, yeah, when my work day may come to a close, 
I'm not just zapped and I don't feel like doing anything. I'm actually kind of on a high. Um, you know, I thought about all the things that I didn't like, the administrative stuff, some of the operational stuff. So, okay, well, I I need to be done with that stuff as quickly as I can. Now, when I started this new business, I tried to be pretty conservative about um, where I was spending money. So, yeah, I did some of those stuff and some of those things in the beginning, but I had kind of a 90-day deadline that, hey, these things are going to be off my plate. So, sure, I'll be the guy uploading my – I mean, I've sent a daily email newsletter for 14 years without missing a day. And, you know, but I don't ever touch the inside of Infusionsoft for that. I send it off to somebody, right. they upload it, they preview it and test it and send it. Um, you know, so for me at that point, it was like, okay, in 90 days, these things that are not fulfilling to me need to be off my plate. So, so much of it came with getting clear about what I wanted to say yes to, what I wanted to say no to, and what success was going to look like for me. Because a lot of people, they're not purposeful about getting clear about those things, they essentially just look at somebody else's highlight reel and they try to borrow from that. And they say, well, I'm going to do what they do because they look successful when, you know, they've never even been under the hood of that person's business in their life. So they don't really know what's going on. And so for me, I just spent so much time digging into this. That way, every step that I made, every move that I was going to take, um, um, it was going to be a move towards the business that I wanted to have. And, um, and, and I just think, you know, there, there's probably not anything mystical or magical about it. It, it. It's more or less just being really purposeful and proactive rather than what most of us do, which is just we're reactive to whatever circumstances come our way. Right, very true. And you know, I and I've had a lot of conversations lately with folks who have shared little stories. Sometimes it's a grand thing, sometimes it's a smaller item. But the theme is, what are some of the non-negotiables? What are some of the lines that we draw? And I can tell you a few of mine, for instance. Uh, number one is I won't schedule anything before 10 o'clock in the morning Pacific time on four of the five days of the week. On the fifth day, I have a thing at 9 a.m. Pacific, but that's a paying coaching client. And based on our mutual schedules, that's the one time we can make that recurring thing happen. But other than that, I don't want to speak with anybody before 10 a.m. Pacific for a few reasons. The biggest one is I just uh, don't want to. That's the biggest one, candidly. Second is I have an awareness of my own energy levels and how I progress through the day and I know that I am not one of those early people. It just doesn't work. Uh, even if I do manage to wake up fairly early, uh, I want to spend some time uh, enjoying a good breakfast, take a walk, do some meditation, uh, spend some time with my cats, maybe uh, run some errands. But I want to work my way into that level of focus. Here's another, here's another one uh, is – that I don't look at incoming communications. That means no emails, no voicemails, no Skype messages, no nothing, until I have done something 
that adds money into my corporate bank account. Only then will I look at what's coming in. And the reason for that is because the moment you start checking email and the moment you start listening to voicemails and all this other stuff, you are now reacting to somebody else's agenda. Even though if the reality is if we're in business, we do have to react to other folks' agendas. That's a reality. When you start with the frame of, I have accomplished something today, this day is automatically a win, even if everything that's coming at you is a torrent of sewage. At least the whole day wasn't wasted, so it's a mind frame sort of thing. And my third line is, I don't schedule anything business-wise on Thursdays because I have two memberships of things I'm members of that have recurring meetings on Thursdays. So that already takes me away from my home office twice that day. So I can't get into any major projects. I can't promise any deliverables. I don't really want to be running back and forth to grab phone calls. So between those two meetings, I may schedule something else that I want to do. I may spend the time reading. I may spend the time researching. I might play hooky, whatever. But the fact is that if you ask me for a deliverable on Thursday, it's not happening. You want a phone call with me on Thursday, it's not happening. You want to interview, interview me on Thursday, sorry, it's not happening. Those are my lines. And I think I'm more than generous with my time. The other, what, you know, in the, in the, in the industrial world we call the other four business days. But uh, the fact is that is a line that I draw. And because... I have that line, it allows me to be far more effective and far more valuable in being in service to others and myself. See, I, I love that because the the way that I think guardrails work is, you know, it starts with self and self-awareness. Like what's important to you and – you know your your values, the way that you you function. So maybe your internal clock, and and you build around that rather than just borrowing somebody else's. I know in my own case, um, you know a lot of it stems from family stuff, right? So uh, you know I don't I don't work on weekends with with clients. I mean I may write a little bit on like Sunday morning whenever. Sure. Uh, you know, whenever people are still in bed or something. But I don't do interactive work with clients, no coaching days or coaching calls or any of that stuff. I, um, you know, I take my my younger son to school and pick him up. And and what I try to do with all these rules or guardrails, if you will, is I want to be at least 95% compliant. So occasionally I may screw something up or whatever else, but um, if I'm 95%, I'm – I feel very happy about it. Um, so, you know, I I don't schedule things in a way that conflict with taking school, picking up. Um, in fact, I take it so far as one of my guardrails is each week to schedule my family activities first before I schedule my professional activities. And then that allows me to reverse engineer everything else. Um I don't do speaking engagements where I'm gone more than one day unless somebody goes with me. So I don't travel for ah. for for uh, 
any any sort of speaking engagement or that sort of thing unless somebody goes with me. Now, I will travel a few times a year to host client, like, mastermind meetings uh, outside of, you know, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and most of those meetings are yeah. held here, but about three times a year, so one for each of my respective groups, we do a meeting in Florida, and those those are really the meetings that I go to when family doesn't have to come along, but typically – you know, two out of those three, they'll just come down the second day of the meeting and meet me. Um, I don't work with clients I don't enjoy. Um, so I actually purposely do – I don't ever employ, like, a sales team or something like that to bring in people to any of my programs because I want to be the person to have that initial conversation and know if we're a good fit, if I'm going to be good for them, if they're going to be good for me. Um, and I – so if if I'm not going to enjoy being on the phone or being in a room with somebody, then we just don't start that relationship. Um, yeah. And then work-wise, uh, there, there are really two others that kind of, um, kind of are there for me. I try to write pretty much daily in the morning. Um, and then, uh, you know, lastly – I I don't do things that I don't don't feel like are my best role. And so I've identified the things in my business that are my best role. And, yeah, I mean, I'm probably 98% compliant on that one. I mean, sure, all of us, right. when it's quarterly tax time or something like that, we probably get pulled into doing some things that aren't that's, our favorite yeah, things to yeah, do. That's, but, but that's uh, about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean – you're never going to get your perfect lifestyle in my, I mean, because ideal does not necessarily mean perfect in my opinion. Um, ideal is something you strive towards, something you look to achieve, but perfection's never going to happen. I mean, unless you can literally control everything about your environment and make all things that are even slightly unpleasant disappear. Fact is we're all going to have to file our taxes. And even if we're working with accountants, we still have to get the information to them, which usually requires some information gathering, some collation, and at bare minimum, answering a bunch of questions about things that happened 10 months ago that you have to look up because you can't remember either. That's just the reality of it. And uh, and I think you know there's other little things. And just like I share in my book, in fact, it's one of the themes of my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. It's often the little things that are burrowed beneath the surface that give us the opportunity to find these discoveries. Now, with me, one of my, I, I have two things since you mentioned, uh, you know, if you, know, if you don't want to be on the telephone with somebody, you get have a call with someone, you're sensing it's just not going to be a perfect uh, uh, or a great relationship. You know, I've had opportunities come across my desk that, Man, I tell you, they, it, 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 you know, they, they, they check off every box on the list, and you think, oh, this isn't, this is a perfect client, but you know, something intuitively would tell me, even though they check off all the boxes, and even though I like them, even though they're a friend of mine, something's telling me that we wouldn't work well together in a client resource relationship, and I've learned that when that intuition pings me. Go with it, because every time I've resisted that intuition and pushed ahead anyway, I have come up with another story of regret. So I listen to that, and I take that very seriously. 
And another one too is, you know, we you know, we speak about how to leverage without spending more hours in the day and that's what I love about this episode. It's conversational. It's more like you and me going back and forth instead of just one of us answering a list of questions. Is um, a couple things when it comes to telephone calls. If somebody, uh, this has happened a few times in the past year, and my response to this has been has gotten a bit of a shock reaction from folks. Uh, folks have come to me and said, "Hey, is there any chance you could give me a call tomorrow?" I say, "No." And there's a pause there. Like, they'd want to give me a call to discuss business or whatever. I think, no, I won't call you tomorrow. And no, I won't remember. Because I don't want to track that sort of thing. All my calls are scheduled. So if you want to chat tomorrow, go to this website I have set up, schedulewithadam.com, literally an entire website devoted to the sole purpose of making me accessible to literally anybody on God's green earth who wants to speak with me about whatever they want to speak with me about. Go there and put yourself in because I'm not going to remember to, uh, hey, you know what? I told Pat Rigsby I'd call him yesterday, so let me make let me dial him now and then go through nine rounds of phone tag with you. It's not happening. I want you uh, on my schedule, integrated with my schedule once, or if I ever change technologies, whatever my scheduling software is, that's going to be integrated with my calendar, that's going to be integrated with my alerts, so I can be going about my business, and five minutes before you and I are supposed to meet, I get three different alerts that say, call with Pat Rigsby coming up, and that gives me five minutes to hit pause on what I'm doing, get myself mentally prepared for you, get on the Pat Rigsby wavelength and dive right in. But I'm not going to play phone tag with you, and I'm not going to remember to call you tomorrow. Get on my schedule. That's a line I draw. Another thing is, is I don't cold call, uh, because I'm aware of the statistics that, uh, statistically, between 80 and 90% of all unscheduled calls, especially from those uh, with numbers that are not being recognized, will go directly to voicemail. And not only will 75 to 80% of people never return your call, they won't even listen to your voicemail. A lot of studies on this. Look it up for yourself. More and more people don't even listen to their voicemails. If they see a call come in, which they don't answer, and they recognize the phone number, they might call, but they'll more likely text or email in response and say, hey, I saw you called. What's up? Yeah. So I, mean, I, won't, I won't I won't cold call, but but let me just finish this real quick, and this is why I love this conversational format. Here's what I will do: uh, if I have something to say, I'll happily slide into your DMs, your direct messages. And I found that a lot of folks, especially those that resonate with me, appreciate that approach because rather than just adding another call they have to deal with, I'm sliding in. I'm opening a conversation, a conversation that's convenient for them to carry on pretty much wherever they are because a lot of people are in a position to text or type even when they're not in a position to be on a phone call, just the nature of how work is today. And when I'm seeking their permission to get into their phone line, I find that I get in almost every time. Like I, I uh, uh, recently I did an outreach of 50 people I wanted to speak with about one of our new ventures. Within 24 hours, I had calls scheduled with 38 of them. Because I took that step of sending a direct message, breaking the ice, and then requesting a call rather than calling them up and saying, hey, I got something I want to run by you. You got a minute? 
it's just the nature of business, and it's also my lines. It's, as you love to say, and I'm going to probably end up repeating this, Pat, with credit to you, my guardrails. I love it. That I mean, that's great. And, and again, it, it that is reflective of your style and your personality and your your business, which is, um, you know, the the way I think this should work. And you know, I, I think that too often people they see something online, they see something some other, you know, some other entrepreneur is doing and they think well that's the only way to do it instead of saying no okay how can i apply this overarching concept to me that fit my style my personality the way that i operate best and establish my guardrails in that way right yeah and i found that and i found that uh, you know i tried to be is sensitive and respectful of other people's guardrails as well, because oftentimes there's a middle ground. And often there's a way that every that each person can serve the other person's guardrails if you just simply have a candid conversation about what those guardrails are. Um, like, uh, I can't think of any examples right off the top of my head, but, I mean, there, not everybody likes to pre-schedule all their calls. But there's a way, right. if you have somebody who just won't schedule a call, to uh, here's 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 how I would frame that. If they insist on it, well, just call me whenever. I say no, 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 no. Uh, and that, so what I'll do is I'll I'll pull up my calendar and I'll say, uh, okay, tell you what, um, how about Friday at one? Do Friday at one? And say sure. All right, cool. I'll put you into my scheduler, and that way it's locked in. We're speaking Friday one o'clock. And I'll, you'll even get a couple helpful reminders just so that we're on track. And then what I've done is I've honored the fact that uh, they uh, don't have a schedule, and I reframe it to I'm going to take the action. I'm going to call them at 1 o'clock, right? But I'll put it on my calendar to ping me to do so at 1 o'clock so I don't have to remember to do so. I don't have to play phone tag with them. Now, if I call at 1 o'clock and uh, they don't answer, they don't call right back, or they don't uh, notify me in advance they're not available, it then goes back to my guardrails of they made a commitment. What happened to that commitment? Yep. So you see how you kind of put the two guardrails together. So instead of saying, I want you to schedule with me, I declare I'm going to call you Friday at 1 o'clock. Friday at 1 o'clock. Got that? Are we on? Yes. Good. So they and they didn't have to look at their calendar since they say call me anytime. Well, Friday at one o'clock is anytime, isn't it? Yep. I I, I think that's like that. <laughs> that, that you. I, I mean, some people aren't going to get you having your uh, your guardrails, but that's okay as long as you can kind of. Uh, massage things to fit them, that works. I mean, I, I do that stuff all right. the time, and I think that that's a wonderful example of how uh, of how that works in a very practical sense. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, and again, it goes back to their guardrail. They said, just call me anytime. Well, I'm Friday at 1 o'clock is anytime, so that's when it's going to happen. Uh, and... Uh, and if they are true to just call me and I'll answer, then they'll answer at Friday at 1 o'clock. They're serious. So I look at it. So 
I think what's interesting here today is we've had an incredible conversation. And what I want our listeners to gather more than anything else is the concept of the guardrail. As Pat Ridsby has explained it to you, within the frame of our you know, kind of lighthearted but still very educational and informative conversation on how to create your ideal business. Now, we have about three minutes left here, and I'm going to give one of those minutes to you because, Pat, you told me in the green room you have something for our listeners. So I'm going to turn this over to you and tell us what you have in mind. Well, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I put together my most recent book, which uh, really illustrates how somebody can build their ideal business or create their ideal business, um, establishing their guardrails, playing to their strengths, really kind of building their business around their best role um, called the ideal business formula. And uh, we put together a, a page just for the listeners of this show at patrigsby.com back, backslash B-C-R and you can download the Ideal Business Formula there. Plus, I've got my own Ideal Business Scorecard where you can essentially kind of rate yourself or grade yourself along the eight kind of pillars of creating your ideal business so you can see, you know, where you're strong, where you have the greatest room for improvement, and uh, really do that beginning self-assessment that is the first step in moving towards where you want to go. So, yeah, we got that stuff together because obviously on a call like this, on a, you know, on an interview, we covered a, a ton of ground, which I am so grateful and appreciative of. Um, but I mean, you know, hopefully for some people, their 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 interest is peaked and they want to move towards having their own ideal business. Well, this is, uh, you know, hopefully a way that that I can help them do that. Um, and, and again, I'm really appreciative for you giving me the opportunity to share. Right, very true. So let me just repeat the link for everybody. Uh, that's going to be patrigsby.com forward slash BCR. And if you check out Pat's profile at businesscreatorsradioshow.com, that link will be there. So let me just say, uh, Pat Rigsby, has been a great conversation about how to create your ideal business. And I want to thank you for joining us. It has been an honor, a privilege, and an education. Well, Thank you again. This has truly been my pleasure, and it's been an honor being here. My friend, keep those guardrails up. All right. This is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please be sure to check out our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com for our previous and our upcoming episodes where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. And strive to create your ideal business. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.